Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Seeky Sports Podcast, Season 3, Episode Number 32, on this post-draft Friday. Interesting name. Obviously, the draft happened last night. So much to talk about with that. Um, so without further ado, let's just hop in. So we begin today's episode, obviously, by just recapping the whole draft. Not going to get into anything else today, but the first overall pick, um, to many people's surprise, was Trevor Lawrence, obviously from Clemson. And the funny part about this pick, I want to touch on this, is that they had that whole thing on social media where like they showed him celebrating delayed because apparently the cameras at your house aren't like actually, they're delayed. So people thought he was just like, crying about going to Jacksonville or like depressed. And I mean, it's just all like, come on, man. It's, it's so silly. Yeah. I mean, like the TV obviously runs on a delay. It's not live time. And then they have the live camera from ESPN that's in the guy's house. And then they're like, Oh, he wasn't celebrating. He's not happy to be a Jaguar. Well, he obviously is. He's trying to turn around. He's more than happy. Come on. With their admire. The guy made $60 million last night. The thing is, he knows (laughs) knowing he's been a Jaguar for a couple months now. It's not like he's like a starstruck. It's like he's like, doesn't, he didn't know before. Yeah. Like like, the guy knows he's going to be the number one pick. He's not a big pop guy. Like he doesn't like show a lot of emotion, personality and stuff. He's very calm guy as is like, what do you expect? He got up, he hugged his family. He did exactly what a guy was supposed to do. Well, I mean, the cameras were just delayed. That was the real problem. It wasn't like anything about his personality. Yeah, I, I don't know. No, it was just. I um, mean, it's an it's a it's a hit on the no pick. brainer though. No brainer for Jacksonville. All right, now let's move on to the Jets, who took Zach Wilson, who they viewed as the second best quarterback in the draft and a fit in Mike LaFleur's system, the new offensive coordinator who they got from San Francisco. Um, I think this was a pretty solid pick. It's just a matter of you know people would rank Wilson, Fields, Lance, Jones all similarly, I guess, or talk about them. But it's whoever whatever guy fits most in your system. Obviously, Lawrence would have been the guy if they know how to learned how to tank properly but i think this makes sense for the jets and he fits the best in their west coast offense with michael floor yeah 100 percent. i mean there's not too much to say there that was the pretty obvious pick but number three is really where the draft started and that's when the niners took uh trey lance the quarterback out of north dakota state this was obviously a debate between either mac jones or trey lance and they ultimately decided lance they must like his upside more um so, yeah, I saw somewhere that the, the scouting department had no idea who the pick was. They learned about it live on TV like the rest of us. So, you know, I thought it was an interesting pick, but I think this I think this was the right pick. This is the pick I would have made. Well, yeah, you don't trade up, like, all the nine spots and I think, like, one or two first-round picks. I think it was two first-round picks um, to get a guy who's the second coming of, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, Matt Ryan. So, I mean, if you're a Niner fan right now, you have to be ecstatic. This is a guy who could turn into a superstar talent, a superstar. I mean, it's superstar talent written all over him. It's just that he needs to be in the right place in San Francisco. I mean, is the right place, literally. Yeah, I kind of disagree, though, to be honest with you. If I was the Niners, uh, you look at how bad the, how the draft board went last night. They were originally at the number 12 pick, and Mac Jones went after them, and there was a trade-up for Justin Fields in front of them. To be honest with you, if I'm Kyle Shanahan, I'd be a little sick to my stomach, to be honest, that there was two quarterbacks that were really selected around where I was picking. I get it. If he's your guy, you got to move up. And I think that's why they went with Trey Lance ultimately, because I don't think guy. you see the interview. With, Trey uh, Lance, if, if he was available for the Falcons, I think they would have taken him. I think he was their guy, too. A lot of people see the upside in Trey Lance as NFL scouts. A lot of them and people, they view Trey Lance as a number two quarterback. They feel like his upside and potential is great. I feel like he could be like a Josh Allen type player. Um good running the ball, good moving around mobile and has a huge arm. So I think it's a good pick. And like we said, we're all big on Kyle Shanahan and how Atlanta uh, and how 
anybody should be big on Kyle Shanahan, like how they run their offense. So we think it could be a, a hit out of the park, especially like this. And he has the most upside, like you guys said. So it's a smart pick. Yeah, definitely. So next up is Atlanta. Uh, I guess to be honest, guys, I'm going to be completely frank here. I don't think that this was the best pick in the world. And I think that a tight end at four, I agree completely a bit of a reach. You're in a reach. You're in a rebuilding state, right? And so hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're in a rebuilding state and Julio Jones is, I mean, out of the door. The whole idea that you have to replace Julio Jones when you're going to be a, a three, four win team next year. It doesn't make any sense to me. You yeah, just go, I don't know. You trade back and you get stockpile assets. They're going to be better than a three, four win team. They're going to win like seven, eight games. I mean, their offense is going to be. They were a six win team. They're like a six, five win, six, two win team. Listen, they're going to put up 30 points a game, but they're going to have like the 29th ranked defense again. Yeah. It doesn't make much sense to me. Like you said, so you're trading you or you want to possibly get rid of your star wide receiver, Julio Jones, but then you draft Kyle Pitts. Like what kind of direction are you going in here? You're replacing (laughs) a star on offense with another star on offense. Why not just sell out, get rid of Julio Jones and draft a quarterback, possibly. Who knows if you're going to be picking this high ever again? You know what? If, if the guy that you like there, pick him or trade back. And well, maybe their guy was Lance, though, as you guys said before. I think their guy was Lance. That's what I think. I think Arthur Smith wanted Lance. It would make sense. He would fit the system really well for them. Well, it feels like that um, Pitts was the guy for like the win-now pick. He was the win-now pick, Pitts. Exactly. But, but it doesn't... Jones is like the the rebuild, you know, the, the news, the rebuild thing. I mean, it's – or Julio Jones, yeah. So, I mean, it makes no sense to me at all, honestly. Yeah, it, it's questionable to say the least. And then this pick, who a lot of people call questionable too, at number five, the Cincinnati Bengals selected Jamar Chase, obviously wide receiver number one. But Joe Burrow, coming off an ACL tear, was hit more than any quarterback last year. Um, maybe Panay Sewell. A lot of people call him a generational talent, and they went with Jamar Chase here because Burrow wanted Chase. So, guys, what do you think about this? Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this pick specifically a lot leading up to the pot or leading up to the draft, whether or not it was Sewell or Chase. And I was very vocal about saying Sewell all the way. I think this was a mistake. Chase will be fun. They'll have a good receiving core, but will they be able to protect Burrow? Because last year he was one of the most hit quarterbacks in the league. Yeah, I don't think that. I mean, I get it. They have Riley Reef and they have um, Jonah Williams, but. Are those tackles, you know, are you really set at the tackle spot with those guys? I don't think so at all. Well, I, think it's a, I, think it's a, I think it's a bottom five tackle unit. And that's why I don't understand the whole conversation about how, like, they wouldn't go Panay Sewell. Even if you want to, you know, you know, if you think your tackle, even if you think your tackle spots are secure, then just move Jonah Williams to the guard spot. I mean, or you move Riley Reef to the guard and then you put Panay Sewell on the edge who is going to be the cornerstone franchise guy for the next 10 years. Linemen last longer than receivers. And I don't know, man, this is just a questionable pick, but you've seen time and time again that receivers in the top 15 don't work out, um, especially when you needed to protect Burrow. It's, it's a dumb pick. I mean, yeah, I get you it. can never have enough good offensive linemen either. I mean, like your, your team isn't going to get worse by having two good tackles and a good guard. Like, the, you know, there was, there was no downside of taking Sewell here. See, but I can see it from their perspective as this. There's a lot of good linemen in day two here, Landon Dickerson, um, Wyatt Davis. And I could see, you know, listen, they felt maybe the drop-off at wide receiver was bigger. And they didn't really have a lot of deep plays last year. They didn't really have a lot of explosive plays. I don't want to hear about that. They were very limited on offense to explosive plays. 
So you don't think part of that was because they didn't have any time to throw, though? They didn't. Well, I, I think that's definitely a reason, but I feel like yeah. Jamar Chase is a true wide receiver one. I don't know if Higgins and Boyd are. I think they're good. I don't know about wide receiver ones. Well, I just, I just, I just think you you worry about that next year. Then, I think for right now, this receiving core as is for Joe Burrow, I think it's good enough to last one more year. When there's a generation, like Sewell was like said, generational talent. I don't think Chase was last time. I, I you know, I, I, I saw. I mean, it was Sewell. Pitts and Lawrence as the guys People were who saying can't he could miss. be like the next Joe Thomas, like just a franchise left tackle for 10 years, you know? So that's why I'm saying, I think that that, I think that's a mistake and I think they will pay for it. So I completely agree. All right, let's move on to the next pick, which might've actually surprised me more than the Bengals pick, which is the J- Jalen Waddle getting selected by the Dolphins at six. I was certain that once Sewell was still on the board, the Dolphins would take him and they didn't. Jalen Waddle's a great player. He's drawn a lot of Tyree kill comparisons. He can run. He's got great hands. You know, he's great in open space, but once again, I mean, the Finns really did need a playmaker, so I can't hate, but they also had a terrible offensive line, like one of the worst in the league. So I was, I was surprised that they had that guy available at six and didn't take him. Yeah. I mean, I thought everyone, everyone thought that it would be, you know, it would be Chase and then Sewell. It would be like that. Those guys, you know, Mm -hmm. Sewell five, Chase six, Chase five, Sewell six. I guess I, we did hear though, like leading up to the draft, how the Dolphins were eyeing a guy like Jalen Waddle or Devontae Smith. So it doesn't really surprise me too much because I heard some rumors about that, you know, happening potentially. But I still think that passing on Sewell, and I, I'm really firm on this, even Atlanta should have considered Sewell, in my opinion. I think a lot of these teams should have considered Sewell, if, unless you needed a quarterback. Sewell, would, I think, should have been the guy after the quarterbacks. Yeah, I think so. I'm, I'm a huge Jalen Waddle guy, though. I really think he could be excellent. And Miami kind of used it the same way. We didn't really have a lot of deep plays last year. We were limited to two of throwing the ball underneath. So let's get him a guy who can take a ball from anywhere on the football field and put it in the end zone. And Jalen Waddle is going to be that guy. Yeah, Wolf Fuller's gonna, but Wolf Fuller's not healthy. And Wolf Fuller can't be a wide receiver one. Jalen Waddle could do basically everything. And they need somebody like that. And listen, you're in the AFC. Right, but you keep you keep talking about how they need more receiving depth, but – I mean, don't. It, it, what's a bigger weakness on the Miami Dolphins? Is it offensive line or is it receiver? It's That's okay. a tough question. They need both, like really bad. They're and they're going to pick line. These teams that took receivers, they're going to pick line today. I no, get no, it. No doubt about. No doubt. I about get it. it. I get it. Defending that side, but somebody has to take this side. Somebody's got to talk about how Jalen Waddle is going to be a make a huge positive impact on that offense. Well, I, I think, think he, he will, will for sure. And and over the middle of the football field with his speed returning, um, you can run wildcat with him. You can do a lot of things with Jalen Waddle. And I think it's smart. They didn't really have a true playmaker on offense that was a stud that you can get the ball to consistently. I think Jalen Waddle probably could have been the best wide receiver in college football if he didn't get hurt. Well, this look, year. You're right. You're right about this fact is that if these receivers are stud receivers, I think no one can question the decision afterwards if they're yeah. all pro, pro bowl caliber guys. I mean, I'm not saying that, but it just feels like I like to go based off position because we don't know how these guys are going to pan out. We always ask, is this guy a true wide receiver one? How do we know Wilds made the true wide receiver one? It to me, Wide receiver one is a tough label for any guy to come out. I only would label someone like that. Generational guys could be labeled as surefire prospects. I mean, I guess, but a lot of teams had for Sean Slater higher than Penai Sewell. So, and like a lot of teams clearly didn't value taking a playmaker over him. If he fell to number seven, we talked about it. Cincinnati and Miami really uh, could use line help, but they had decided that the playmakers are going to bring more value to their team at this point in time. And the yeah. drop-off maybe at offensive line isn't as big as it is at wide receiver, like we've touched on a lot. Yeah, all right. Well, 
moving on to the number seven pick, they actually did that. The Lions, excuse me, actually made a right decision for once. And a lot of people were mad that they didn't take Devontae Smith over uh, Panay Sewell. That, I mean, look, I'm not going to get into the live receiver. Uh, we just had that debate twice in a row now. But I will say as a rebuilding team, you go for just the best player instead of the need because they, they have so many needs that you just want to stack up as much talent as possible. So, it, I mean, you need to because when you have 20 needs, like going for one need and then a guy missing potentially is, is just a way bigger risk than just getting the guy who's the best player on the board. Oh, yeah. 100%. I think you said it best. I mean, they're not even close to winning football games on a consistent basis. You just take the best player available. It's a no-brainer. They're they're very happy that he fell into their lap at seven. Yeah, I mean, and they, and they got the Panthers. They they robbed the Panthers, Loki. You saw the excitement in the in the building after they had made that pick. I mean, it's just it's just a smart pick. We talked about these teams. They took receivers over alignment, and you know the lines are probably sitting there like, holy shit, this guy's really gonna fall into our laps. And they have a left tackle already with Taylor Decker. But guess what? They don't care. They're going to find a way to get Sewell on this offensive line somehow. And they have a decent offensive line. They don't have a great quarterback. They don't really have good weapons, but they do have a good offensive it'll line. It'll make everybody look better. If you it'll, make every, tackles. it'll make everyone look better. And guess what? It's going to help them start the rebuild, like you said. They could take a wide receiver next year. Build up your offensive line. Protect your quarterback first. Now let's move on, though, Carolina. Uh, this kind of shocked a lot of people. Not really me as much. They took seven guys last year on defense with all their draft picks. And this year they make it an eighth pick in a row with JC Horn, the cornerback from Carolina. He played at South Carolina. He's going to North Carolina now to play with Carolina. To be honest with you guys, I actually think it's a pretty solid pick. A lot of people are worried that he make it picked apart his first year because he's not that fast and he has a lot of holding penalties, but he fits the great aggressive style that the Carolina defense comes and plays with. So I think JC Horn's a good pick and clearly they didn't like Rashawn Slater that much if they wanted JC Horn and they valued Horn a lot. And you know what? Matt Rule knows that he could figure it out on offense. He's an offensive coach. I'll figure it out on offense. Let's help our defense out. And today they picked up the fifth-year option with Sam Donald, so that took Justin Fields off the board. They were obviously comfortable enough. So I guess Lance might have been their guy at 8-2. But to be honest with you guys, I don't think a lot of people are calling this a great pick, but I actually do think it was a really excellent pick. Well, to start off, you said he committed a lot of holding penalties in college. Another corner who that reminds me of a lot is Eli Apple. Obviously didn't pan out very well. Um, I think if they were to, they need a corner, no doubt. So I can't kill them for that. But I just think Sertain's a better player here. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. And I really thought they could have used Slater too. I was surprised to see them pass on him. Once again, I can't kill them for taking the corner. I just don't think they took the best one. Yeah, taking a corner is, I mean, I don't really have too many problems with this pick because um, a corner was a need. Tackle was a need as well. I mean, it's, it, it's fine. But I will say, I was surprised that Carolina didn't trade out. Because I, I thought that after the Lions just randomly took Sewell, I thought the Panthers would be interested in trading, you know, back with the Bears maybe, maybe with the Patriots for all we know. Because I thought Carolina could use a lot more value. And when you're in that spot where teams want quarterbacks, like the Bears, they had to overpay a lot for the Giants. Now, obviously, the trade could just be miserable for us if, if Fields is a superstar. I mean, it's obvious. But you get a lot in return, more than you probably would have if they weren't taking a quarterback. So, I'm surprised they just didn't go, honestly, um, trade back. Because is Horn like that guy who's in a – is Horn really their number – I mean, if he was the number one guy, I guess it's fine. But um, it was surprising a, a little bit. Yeah, definitely. All right, so number nine, this this was a surprising pick. The Broncos took Patrick Sertain, probably the best corner in the draft. I think most people would agree with that. But they already have three corners on their roster. 
that are making like legitimate money. And I get it. Like some of them are a free agent after next year. But once again, the pick makes no sense to me. You want like a day one starter if you're picking top 10. And, you know, I think there were better players on the board. I think they could have used Parsons, you know, maybe Justin Fields. Yeah, this you know, is, there this were a lot of options here. And I think they took the worst one. This is a head scratcher. Your two deepest positions on your football team are cornerback and wide receiver. But let's go draft a cornerback at number nine. Justin Fields was picked after you. Mac Jones will pick after you. This will look like an absolute fucking disaster if Drew Locke sucks again this year. And I would bet a lot of money that he Which probably he, Yeah, he will. He, he's and shown no signs of progression. I just don't get it. It doesn't make any sense. You have Callahan, you have Darby, and you have Kyle Fuller, who you just got this offseason. Why? There is no reason for this pick. Even they could have used Rashawn Slater, a versatile offensive lineman. There could have been so many better ways to approach this pick. And, I mean, we're sitting here scratching our heads again. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I thought that Denver would go Micah Parsons here at number nine. Like, it really did Me seem too. like they were going to go Parsons. I mean, I guess going 13 is a head catcher, like you said, because they already have Ronald Darby, because they have Kyle Fuller, and they have Bryce Callahan. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, Vic Vangio, I'm sure, wants more defensive talent. I mean, defensive coaches typically always want defense, 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 defense. So, it doesn't surprise me. But I, I, I get that, that Vic Fangio wants defense, defense, defense. But if Vic Fangio, Vic Fangio is such a good defensive coach, he should be able to make it work with the guys that they have on the roster. They should be addressing the offensive side of the ball then, like what Matt Rule and the Carolina Panthers are doing. They're wait, drafting wait, 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 defense, wait. and they're letting oh, him. Okay, oh, okay stop. Yeah, okay. yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. I, I think that makes more sense, just like the Jets did last night. Robert Salah is a defensive head coach. We'll figure out our defense later. Well, the Jets also have the worst had had the worst statistical offense in the NFL last year. So yeah, but still, there were some really good defensive guys on the board when when they were picking at fourteen when they traded up. Who knows? Yeah, but we're considering them taking a corner and edge. So I think I, that was smart, though. I think you got to go with you got to go with your weaknesses, and especially if your coach can kind of help or aid the the poor defensive or offensive not, unit. You know exactly. When, you go the other side. Vic Fangio is such a good defensive coach. He can make it work with the guys that they have. Certain the pick just doesn't make any sense. It's not like they have bums. They have three really solid NFL cornerbacks, exactly. too. So it's like. I mean, Darby was the number one last year for the football team. Fuller was the number one for the Bears. And Bryce Callahan had an excellent season last season. You could call and, him arguably a top 10 corner after the season that he had. It doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. Well, uh, here's another pick where. Um, well, this NFL draft, it, honestly, like right here is in this particular, like, you know, sequence, like picks like eight through like 15 were really like, surprising. Obviously, this trade uh, hurt my Giants the most and, and grabbed the Giants disgusting. because it basically took away Devontae Smith off the board. Um, Seemed like Gettleman didn't really have a backup plan. They traded w- yeah. with, with the Cowboys. The Eagles and Cowboys made a trade. Like, what? Yeah. Just with, obviously, this trade has all to do with how good Devontae Smith is going to be because the Eagles have a third-round pick. Um, the thing from Dallas' side I, I don't understand is that you traded – or you basically gave the Eagles Devontae Smith, your division rival. And then only that, you don't have a cornerback now. So you're going to get be getting torched by Smith for the next, like, five, ten years. And especially – Kenny Galladay, too. Don't forget that. So it's like, man, you let the Eagles get their guy, and then you don't even have a corner yourself. So that yeah. it's, it's weird. I just don't understand why the whole NFC East hates the Giants here. Like just seeing oh, the Cowboys, yeah, they all hate the Giants. The Cowboys and Eagles create like make a trade to just give the Eagles that was so surprising. Was just bizarre to me. It was just so bizarre. See, and I don't get it because if I'm Dallas and I really like Micah Parsons that much, am I going to add an extra third round pick so another div- a team in my division can get a wide receiver? Like the Giants, we're going to get Devontae Smith either way. So like, 
is it really worth getting an extra third round pick? You're still going to have to play against Devontae Smith. Like, I get it. Like, just pick Parsons then. I, I, I don't know. I don't no, get no, it. No, no, I guess for, no, I, I guess I could see it a little more for Dallas now because they would have to play Smith either way. I guess. So I guess, have to play Smith. I guess they figured let's add a third round Adding pick. Adding a third round pick for absolutely way. nothing. Yeah. And their guy would still be there. So I, I, I guess it's it interesting though to say, I mean, Smith's always going to have some against the Cowboys now. He's always going to have some grudge against them. So I mean, it'll be interesting to see that. All right. Now we have our first trade. Um, well, no, that was our Second first trade. trade. But this is our first big trade up for a quarterback. The Giants were originally selecting at number 11. The Chicago Bears then have jumped in. And the Giants have the Bears' first round pick now next year. The Giants' original plan was to take Devontae Smith here. And obviously, the Bears selected Justin Fields. They have not committed uh, to him as their day one starter. I could see them definitely starting the year off with Dawn. But I'm sure after four weeks and he stinks it up, Fields will be in there. So ultimately, I think it was a good pick. I think Matt Nagy and you know their GM are on the hot seat, Ryan Pace. And... They figured, hey, listen, he's still here. This is our guy. Let's trade up. Let's move up and let's put all the chips in into the table. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers is leaving the division. Could Justin Fields potentially be the best quarterback in this division? You know, who knows? We'll see. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, so, you know, this trade is interesting because the Giants weren't taking Fields any. They weren't taking a quarterback anyway. So it's, it, you know. We'll I judge regardless, like- though, if Jones is bad, though. I think this was. I just think this was a good trade for both sides because the Bears desperately needed a quarterback. They really liked Fields, so they they gave up a lot to get him. And if you're the Giants, you got a lot in return. Um, but yeah, I think I think this was a huge trade. You know, Justin Fields was, in my eyes, the second best quarterback in the draft. So, you know, the Bears might finally have their guy. It'll be interesting to see. Well, yeah. The the the, the bad part about the trade for the Giants is that the downside is so bad. Is because we I don't like. I don't like giving a team potentially a, a franchise quarterback. Like if you're, if you're the organization that gives the other team a franchise quarterback, it's never a good thing. And especially if Daniel Jones struggles next year, I'm telling you, it will be a, a mess. If Justin Fields is good and Daniel Jones sucks, we'll be getting clowned, mocked for yeah, But years. if they weren't going to take him anyway, then like there's, there's not much. But you can Graf, do that's a part of the, it's a part of it. So if Jones is bad, the, the, and, and feels then like what, Sean Watson. Then what you got to pick the quarterback oh next year. And then what if he becomes a boss? It's like, yeah. oh my god, oh he just really. And then really then they're like, oh, they didn't want to move on from Daniel Jones. They were still trying to nurture him, and then they they took a quarterback next year. And what if he doesn't turn out? And then Justin Fields turns out to be a stud, which I think I don't know because I I, I don't like the Bears situation. It's that tough. Much. The Bears don't have a good situation, but it's tough because. Yeah. I'm scared, honestly. I'm scared. I'm scared that the Giants could be getting fleecer here. Obviously, we could be winning because they did have to give a lot up, like the Bears. I mean, they got a first-round pick next year. The the thing you're missing is that it's a quarterback, and the quarterback's upside is just – they're worth like five, six first-round picks if they're good, seven maybe. I mean, the upside for Justin Fields is like a superstar young quarterback. It's tough, man. If he's good, we're in trouble. That's all I say. We're in trouble if he's yeah, good. But what if the, what if it's a top ten pick next year? That that could be a superstar well, in any position. If it's a top ten pick and Justin Fields is a bad player, then obviously the Giants by far won the trade. But it's going to be a top five pick. This trade will have a clear winner soon. It's going to be a really clear winner. I, I could tell. Mm-hmm. One side's going to win or one side's going to lose really bad. All right, so let's hit on the uh, second end of this Eagles Cowboys trade here at pick twelve. The uh, Cowboys selected Micah Parsons. This is who they wanted after all the corners flew off the board. It seemed pretty clear. So they got their guy. They got an extra third-round pick. Not too much to talk about here. I think it's a solid pick for them. Yeah, we kind of yeah. touched on this earlier. I mean, Michael Parsons is going to be a stud there in Dallas. And, you know, their linebackers last year kind of struggled. Jalen Smith and Vander So this was a good pickup for them. 
Like yeah, said, we already talked about this. My favorite pick of the draft, maybe one of my favorite picks of the draft was at Los Angeles Chargers yeah, getting Rashawn Slater at 13. A player I wanted my Giants to get at a pick 11, but um, you know, it is what it is. Obviously, Herbert now, Corey Lindsley and Rashawn Slater in the offseason added um, on that offensive line. Two guys who could be – I mean, Lindsay's already a superstar player, but Slater could be in the same boat. So, Herbert is primed for a breakout year, too. Yeah. As I mean, of now. This, this was so smart. They got a great young quarterback already. He had a lot of pressure last year. So, let's let's do this in the offseason. Let's get Rashawn Slater at left tackle. Let's get Matt Filer from the Steelers at left guard. Let's get an all-pro center, Corey Lindsley. Let's get Obi Abouchier. Odea Boucher at right guard. And guess what? And we got Brian Balaga last year at right tackle. So we have a new revamped offensive line for our young quarterback. We're putting him in the best situation to succeed. And let's talk about Rajon Slater, man. He might have been the best offensive lineman in college football performance-wise. Sewell sat out this last year. Rajon Slater was blocking guys like Chase Young. Had one of his best games in Northwestern against him. This guy's an absolute stud. He's going to come in day one and play great right away. I think he was an he's an excellent talent, and this was a perfect pick. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you know, uh, Herbert is doing his victory dance right now. He just got a potential franchise left tackle to protect him. They already have receivers. They were already a top 10 offense last year. You know, they're only going to get better in his second season. Um, I mean, they should be a good team next year. And this was a great pick for them. No question. Yeah, they hit this out of the park. And let's talk about another pick here. I don't know if that, about it was a great pick. I think the Jets might have overpaid a little bit. But if this was their guy, it was smart. The Jets traded up with the Minnesota Vikings back to number 14 in the draft. Um, we originally had 23. We gave that up and we gave up both of our third round selections and we received, I believe, a fourth round pick back as well with pick number 14. And we selected Elijah Vera Tucker from USC. Uh, the Jets plan right now is to play him at left guard next to Beckton on the left side, protect their young rookie quarterback, Zach Wilson. Guys, what do you think about this pick? Yeah, I mean, it's a good pick. Um, you know, I, there were a lot of rumors they were going to take a running back at 23. And I think just the fact that they didn't do that and they ended up getting a, a really good offensive lineman, that's automatically a bonus. Um, you know, got to protect the young quarterback. You know, their offensive line isn't great, but now your left side should be pretty solid. They, they got some playmakers in free agency, so I think this is a good pick. Yeah, AVT um, is going to be a great player from all accounts. I mean, this is a guy who people thought could be um, ranked higher than Rashawn Slater originally. Um, so they're neck and neck, him and Slater. And anytime you go offensive line in my books, it's a great pick. I mean, we don't know how he's going to pan out, of course, but uh, it just seems like the smart football move generally – um, history repeats itself, but we've seen in the past it's worked out. Definitely. Okay, pick 15. This was a huge one. Mac Jones to the Patriots. You know, I think some people were kind of surprised he fell this far. He might have gone three to the Niners, some people thought, but the, the Patriots waited. They were patient and they got who a lot of people believe was their guy all along. You know, a lot of Tom Brady similarities here. Yeah. Not, necess- yeah, not, not necessarily an athlete's body, but he's really accurate. Um, you know, and Bill Belichick must like him if he took him. So, you know, this yeah, well, is going to be interesting. The thing, though, the thing I will say about this is that it's confusing because I feel like if you want your franchise quarterback, you trade up for him. And that's like the thing I'm still confused about. Like not trading up for a quarterback nowadays and just selecting one at your original pick is a bit weird. It's actually like top three. So it, it is kind of kind of confusing how they didn't want to like, I feel like you trade up for your guy if you love him. And they didn't trade up. So, I mean, it's a good pick, but I'm just – I don't know if I'm convinced that they love, like, love him. Because I feel like they would have traded up and done anything they could to get him if, he, if, he'd lo- if they loved him. I mean, to be honest with you, though, you kind of knew that if Mac Jones wasn't going number three, that he was going to slide down boards a little bit. And that Justin Fields would well, you never know that Washington and Chicago wouldn't trip to pick Mac yeah, Jones. I mean, Chicago traded up. You got to think, think the Patriots made a phone call to the Giants when the Bears did. 
Oh, definitely. I think, uh, yeah, I think they did too, honestly. I mean, listen, yeah, 100% didn't. The Bears just offered more. So, what it what is Mac Jones? So, as a Jets fan, it kind of scares me a little bit, to be honest with you. I would have much rather had them go into the season with Cam Newton as a quarterback. But, you know, Mac Jones, we talked about this with the 49ers. What is he really at best? Jimmy Garoppolo, an average quarterback, um, or a little bit above average, maybe Matt Ryan during his MVP season or such. But I, I'm not, you know, psyched like ben said if he was really their guy i think i would have gave up a first rounder to come up and move up and make sure i got him so you know what we'll see um the afc east is full of young quarterbacks though so we really got to see yeah well um actually i'm not even i don't even know i'm sure i am the next pick right i think i'm number 16 yeah Yeah. so zavin collins this was a pick that i guess a lot of people had issue with i guess because they didn't go jok uh Jeremiah Wusu Cormea from Notre Dame, but I mean, listen. If they th- see this is the thing I don't like about that draft process is if, if they if the team thinks that's their guy at the position, just go for it. As long as you got the right position to me, that's all that matters. You got the right position. You have to trust the scout. The, I mean, they they watch hours and hours of film. You have to trust that they're picking the right player from the position. Just draft the right. Know your needs is the biggest thing in the draft, honestly. Yeah, this was a smart pick. Um, they drafted Isaiah Simmons last year, who's a little bit more of the speed, sideline to sideline, versatile guy. Saving Collins is a big boy, but he's a really good uh, linebacker in coverage, was the best in college football, a little bit bigger, can play better in the run. And guess what? Jeremiah owusu koromoa is really very similar to um, Isaiah Simmons, who they already have on the roster. Saving Collins kind of fits in as that other linebacker. You got J.J. Watt, Chandler Jones on the edge. I think this was a good pick. They might have reached on him, but like you said, he's their guy. He's their guy. They're picking him there. I was I originally really thought that they were going to go offense and they were going to pick Najee Harris here or a receiver because they wanted to give Kyler all the weapons possible. But Zayvon Collins must have been really high on their board and he's going to compliment Isaiah Simmons well in the middle because they can both do just about everything now together. Yeah, I mean, you said the guy is big. He's at six four two sixty. 260. He's a monster, and oh my. I, I think he'll be good. You know, you some people said why didn't they take JOK? Well, none of the other teams, none of the other 16 teams behind them did either. So clearly there's something There's a reason that, that JOK is reason. And so you, you really can't kill the Cardinals for that cuz no other team picked him. So yeah, overall this is a pretty solid pick for them no doubt. I mean, JOK is only really a nickel due to people in the NFL. They really mm-hmm. only think he could play in the nickel. He's kind of like Isaiah Simmons. He, he was a really good player in college. He won the Buckus award, but we don't know how he's going to transition as a pro and we don't really know where Simmons to put him. Didn't do great. Yeah. All right, now let's talk about Alex Leatherwood. This might have been the biggest reach of the first round. It's kind of a head-scratching move for the Raiders. It seems like they're going in circles almost. They uh, cut Rodney Hudson, right there. or they traded Rodney Hudson and Gabe Jackson for pretty much a bag of chips, and then they selected an offensive lineman with Alex Leatherwood all the way at 17. I felt he possibly could have fallen to maybe mid-second round, possibly early third round. So this is very head-scratching for the Raiders. It seems like they're going in circles, and to me it seems like they're definitely going to be the worst team in the AFC West next year. You know, it's weird because Mayock, I used to love him when he was like the draft analyst guy for all like for all the stuff. I used to love him. Yeah. Let's look at his drafts. He reached on Clellan Farrell. He reached on Henry Ruggs. Now he reached on this guy. That they just seem to really like to reach on a lot of guys. So they don't get great value in their drafts, and it's shown because they're you know, they really haven't succeeded so far under him. Yeah, well, he's a guy with a terrible track record. I mean, the picks that you just said, like they speak for themselves in, in a bad way. Mm-hmm. So I mean I don't really – I mean, look, if you if they think he's the best tackle, that's fine. I, I'm not going to even comment on the reach. But like Frank said, they're going in circles. Didn't they just, like, cut both? Or, I mean, they just 
it's like they're filling one. It's like, what are they doing? Because they already had a, a solid, good offensive line. You cut those players and then you're bringing in young guys, but like you and need just that defense that was 32nd in the NFL last defense year. Defense is atrocious. Who who are their wide receivers? Ruggs and Hunter Renfro. You lost Aguilar. You got rid of Tyrell Williams. They don't, what are the, what are they doing? Like it just seems I feel like bad Derek Carr. he's one of the worst situations in the NFL. It doesn't even look like they know what they're doing at this point. It's it's very very bad. Yeah, they had no identity. I mean, not not a not a great offseason so far for them. All right, number eighteen, the Dolphins took Jalen Phillips from Miami. Um, this seemed like there was just a lot of smoke around this pick. This seemed like it was going to happen for a while. I saw a lot of mocks had this one. I mean, it's a good pick. He was the better um, edge rusher coming out of Miami in my eyes. He was he was less productive, but his sacks were more meaningful. He you know, he showed a lot of versatility on the line. He's very athletic. I think it's a good pick. Yeah, I, I think it was. Um, want to move on uh, to the Washington football team. Cause hey, hold on one sec. We don't talk about Jalen Phillips. I mean, this, this is the best edge rusher in the class. I mean, well, 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 dude, what are we going to do? Talk about these picks for five minutes each? No, just let, let me say a little something before. All right, go ahead. Up. I mean, go I ahead. think Jalen Phillips is the best edge rusher in the class. He had concussion problems, but. Listen, he's going to fit perfectly into Brian Flores' defense. If they can keep this guy on the football field, look out. I think he could be like a Joey Bosa type player in the NFL. Well, see, there we go. Like, already comparing these mid-round picks to superstars is like the perfect thing we need today. To okay, we can't give grades on – according to you – No, but no, 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 no. no. Anyone, so what are we supposed to do? The thing about – no, no. The thing about this is, Frank, I have a problem with is that – Joey Bosa was a top, what, five pick? Top, he was in the top five, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, but how about TJ Watt? He was picked like 29. This guy would have been a top 10 pick if he didn't bang his head on, against other guys 10 times. <laughs> if he didn't have concussion problems, he'd be a top yeah, 10 so, pick. But you have to factor that stuff in there, in my opinion, because that that actually, I think those kind of problems, when you have like a character, like injury problems, that could, that you have a higher bust probability with those types. Yes, it's just definitely. So but I think Miami is course, a great but, situation for him. Because they have a tough coaching staff like the Patriots. They're hard-nosed. They're going to work with their guys a lot. And that's why I think he's going to go almost in the best situation possible. But and what do you mean? Frank, I want to address this. You said we can't grade. Dude, we, so grading picks is a bit unfair. Everyone knows how I feel about this. Grading a pick before they play the snap, it, what's the difference? Like, it just doesn't make any sense. You, you're grading a pick. Well, we're grading the pick based off the pro- – No, I, I, I get that. I know, but that's my problem. And you, and is that not valid? Of course it's valid that you can't grade a pick before they play the snap. Yes, but what are we supposed to do? No, then? no, I know, I know. I'm just saying that's. And then my your second point is that you, you compared a mid round pick to a superstar. That's why I have problems with. I don't like. But he would, he would have been a top ten. He's just as talented as any of these top ten picks. Well, the top defensive picks this year. I mean, the highest defensive player was J.C. Horn at number eight. So I think he's just as talented as J.C. Horn. He just has concussion problems. Yeah, the defensive class. Well, I think that. Jalen Phillips, he was not like that Joey Bo- Joey Bosa coming out of college was a guy that like you couldn't miss on. And yeah. that, he was gonna be like a top three, four pick. Like he was a guy that you had to pick if you were in the top five. Like Jalen Phillips, not that kind of guy. So that's all I'm saying. I mean, let's kind of slow the breaks down a little bit before maybe if he plays good his first eight games of the season, then we could start talking about that conversation. But yeah, but he um, would have been a top 10 pick, can't miss prospect if he was help if he didn't have these concussion issues. Yeah, we'll see. So Number 19, the Washington football team like Jamin Davis. See, this is a guy who I saw like many people have him in, like the 90s to 100 range on like their big boards. But he, I guess people did have him as a guy who some team could fall in love with him and he, he can go really early. That's exactly what happened with the Washington football team. He went to number 19. Um, and 
this football team defense is looking scary right now. Obviously, they were a top five unit last year, and obviously they've added some more um, talent this offseason in the draft and in free agency. So it's looking right now that this football team defense could could be the best unit in the NFL. Yeah, but they were already the second best last year. And what were they, like the 30th ranked offense? I think they really could use one of the receivers here, and I think they reached on this guy well, as well. It's not about going from two to one. It's also about – Just maintaining know, it, really. It's being able to it's maintain it. It's maintaining it. Main, exactly, because it's, it's no guarantee that you go from two and you stay at two if you don't get any talent. You can go to number 12 pretty easily. Heck, yeah, you can go to number 20 pretty easily. I think that Darisol would have been the play here. He's from Virginia Tech. Uh, he's from Virginia could have stepped right in with Washington or I think maybe Bateman as a receiver. I think they really needed a receiver here. I mean, their defense is like we talked about is already really good. Let's work about our offense. Even like, I I know I'm not in quarterbacks for here, but they could have possibly traded up. I mean, you're going into the year with, yeah, they could have traded up. So I don't know about picking a defensive guy here. Obviously, Ron Rivera thinks he's good, but he was originally a fourth or fifth round pick. He's skyrocketed. I think rec- I think a receiver is like the guy they should have went with probably because you need more weapons for Ryan Fitzpatrick, um, who's coming in with little to no weapons outside of Terry McLaurin, honestly. I mean, Curtis Samuel now, and Logan Thomas isn't bad, but... It's, but like, those guys, I still think they need like that, What they need a playmaker. They need another guy. There's they no They use doubt. a guy like Bateman for sure. Oh, like, any receiver that they thought was... was I great. mean, think about it. They were, what, like the 30th ranked offense last year? Adding exactly. Curtis Samuel alone doesn't fix that, you know? It's not going to be an overnight fix. No. All right. Now we have the Giants, who added another piece on offense after adding two on Offensive free agency with Kenny Galladay and, excuse me, Ken, uh, Kyle Rudolph. They add Kadarius Tooney, who I think will be their slot guy of the future. This guy, his senior year of college, did not drop a single pass. He was very explosive. He's another guy that you could, you know, touch the ball anywhere on the field and he could end up in the end zone. Um, a lot of people think this is questionable, but like we ultimately talked about before, this will come back to the productivity of Justin Fields' pick and where that first-round selection will be next year. If the Giants have a top-five pick, and they land a really excellent player next year in the first round of the draft, you know, and then they have their pick. Who knows? But I think Tony ultimately is just going to replace Sterling Shepard, and I think he's going to be a guy that can do a lot of things. He can take snaps as a running back. He can uh, run end arounds. He can go down the field. He's going to be a productive guy for the Giants. Yeah, I mean, let's, let's talk about Tony for a second, though. He's one of the most he's one of the most elite athletes in the class. He's got four three speed. He's super elusive. You know, the big question with him is his route tree. Like, can he develop an NFL route tree? But you know, I think playing in the slot with, you know, two receivers outside and Saquon Barkley, there won't be too much attention on him. So I think if you could just get him the ball in open field, Jason Garrett's got to be a little creative with him. But I think they he's can not, figure see, No, no, no. Don't even get me. He's I know. Not, I know. I know that's asking for a lot for Jason Garrett to do something creative for once. But, you know, like they picked the guy. They got to have a plan for him, you know. Well, they have a plan for him, but I don't think Jason Garrett is going to adapt his plan. I, I don't if he didn't adapt already. What makes you think it's going to be now that he ran? I, I know. I agree. I'm just holding out hope that they can they can get – because this this guy this guy, is, this guy can be great if they can get him into all sorts well, of open – Well, the thing is, yeah, I want to say this. Where is he going to play on the field? Because they have Sterling Shepard, the slot guy, already. I know he he's can, not on he the long – play outside a little bit, too. He'll be all over the place. But Sterling Shepard is – yeah, Sterling – he needs to be the inside Sterling Shepard. He's, he, he shines in the, in the inside. I mean, he'll be hurt probably, I mean, at this point. But he shines in the inside Sterling Shepard. They need um, Tony to play on the outside, no doubt about it, I, I think. He'll be everywhere on the field. I wouldn't be surprised to see him line up in the backfield sometimes, too. I mean, the, the offense right now, I mean, it's looking like, obviously, like lethal, I guess, quote-unquote, but it goes back to the quarterback and offensive line. They don't have those two things. And until they, they have those two things, day two I think this is a bottom-10 offense still, in my opinion, honestly. They're picking Dickerson today. I'd bet my money on it. 
I'd bet. I'd yeah, bet. I mean, okay, but Dickerson, in fact, they, is Dickerson going to save this offense line from 31st? From So what is he going to bring him? 31st to 31st? No, 30? but he could be a day one starter that can legitimately help them because realistically, you, you just really need one guard right now to be competent because they don't have a right guard right now. They desperately yeah, I, need, I think they need two guys. You need, you two, need I think they need two day one starters, I think, in the draft this year. Yeah, and you need Hernandez to improve. Gates is like, okay. You just well, – it's all about Tom, right Andrew guy. Thomas as well, the fourth overall pick last year in the draft. I mean, they just got to continue their player development. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, what it comes down to. If, it, you know, if the young guys continue to develop, they'll just be better this year. They spent a lot of draft capital on offensive linemen. If, if they can't develop these guys, that's their problem. Then they're never going to be good anyway, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, so at pick number 21, this is a guy I thought the Giants might take, but they ultimately passed. Quiddy Pay, the edge rusher out of Michigan. There were some like rumors about like his heart, like some issues with his heart. Ultimately, he was cleared, but maybe that was still why the Giants passed on him. Um, you know, this is a good pick for the Colts. He's a solid player. He's a really raw player. So they, but you know, I think the Colts can develop him pretty well. They already have a solid defense in place, so you know, overall, it's a solid pick for them. Yeah, they just continue to add more depth in the defense, right? I mean, this mm-hmm. defense is already going to be well. I just want to say this: How come Indianapolis did not get a receiver? Because, like, look at the offseason, though, what they had. They did not really adjust it. They, they re-signed T.Y. Hilton, obviously, which was expected. I, I mean, I think it was expected. But even with T.Y. Hilton re-signed, they, that was a problem last year with him on the roster. Pittman and Hilton are not good enough with, you know, their third guy to be a real receiving core for Carson Wentz to succeed in. So I think they, they could have used a weapon right here. They really could have. Um but I guess Quiddy Pay. This lets you know that that Quiddy Pay, they think this guy's a stud. Because mm-hmm. when that happens, they probably thought this guy's a, a superstar player. I mean, you kind of saw the edge rushers fall a little bit though with Phillips going first at eighteen. But you know what? Like you're right. What you have so many average guys on offense. You have a bunch of average tight ends with Burton Doyle and Molly Cox. You got Hines and Jonathan Taylor. You know, could be a little above average there at the running back position. And then your receivers. You got Pittman, Hilton, and Pascal. Like. That's Where is this, like one playmaker guy, or at least make your core really good? They don't have that. Two guys that I thought really fell were Rondell Moore and Elijah Moore, and there were a lot of teams picking the twenties. I think could have used a receiver. And you look at the the Jaguars, the Titans, maybe the Saints, definitely the Ravens. Whoever, you know, a lot of these teams didn't take these guys. So well, the Ravens did get the guy. Whoever whoever is whoever is sleeping on Elijah Moore is making a huge mistake. We saw this with Ole Miss receivers in the past. You let DK Metcalf fall. You let AJ Brown fall. This is a huge mistake. Elijah Moore had the second most yards in the SEC behind only one guy who was the Heisman Trophy winner and the 10th pick in this draft, Devontae Smith. This guy is a really good wide receiver. I was certain that they'd both be first-round picks, and they weren't. So, Oh, yeah. He'll make somebody pay today. He'll make somebody pay today. Yeah, Yeah, so speaking of a guy who might make someone pay today, I think that could be Caleb Farley here. He's a guy who could have been a top-10 pick potentially before his injury concerns kind of – he was a cornerback number one. I remember some people had a mock to Denver at number nine earlier in the year, um, earlier in the offseason before they ended up getting Kyle Fuller. And then obviously Denver went away from corner. They still ended up getting a corner, which is funny enough. But um, now he falls to 22 all the way to the Titans. Um, So – yeah, this could be a great value pick for Tennessee. But obviously, when you're the Titans, you need a guy on defense who's going to impact from day one, I think. Yeah, I mean, they lost Malcolm Buller. They lost Kenny Vaccaro. They signed Bud Dupree. I was considering them taking maybe Aziz Ocelara here at edge. But, you know, they kind of addressed that in the offseason. They got him and Harold Landry. 
So this is a good pick. They need to have some guys in the secondary. They were horrible with pass defense last year. You know, even the Ravens were ripping them apart. And, you know, the Ravens passing offense isn't anything special. So this is a good pick. This guy's got superstar potential. He was, like you said, top 10 pick, arguably cornerback one for a lot of teams. And I think 22 is a good, you know, time to take a chance on someone like this. Yeah, I think the Titans certainly need a corner, but I don't know. I still think maybe a receiver would have yeah, been the move I mean, here. But, you know, they must know something about Caleb Farr. They must be confident that his health will be okay long-term if they selected him here. You know what? Maybe, maybe the Titans pick Elijah Moore today and move up and pair AJ. I, yeah, I think they, they, they lost a tremendous amount of production offensively with yeah, they lost Smith John and, Smith. They lost Humphreys. They Corey lost Corey Davis. Davis. Yeah. So they, they don't really have a second receiver right now. Mm-hmm. So they, they're, they're going to definitely be picking one today. Uh, now let's talk about another pick. I think this was very underrated pick. This is a good pick. Arisaw, you know, this was the Jets' original spot. Minnesota picked here. They pick left tackle Christian Darisaw. I think this is going to be a good pick. You know, the Vikings know their offensive line, middle of the pack. And, you know, they could be a really, really good offense with more protection for Kirk Cousins and more help with Dalvin Cook up front. So I think Darisaw here at 23 was a, a home run. I think it was too. It made a lot of sense for Minnesota to get offensive line. But I think people had a, um, defensive players, especially edge rushers, mocked to Minnesota because of the whole Daniel Hunter situation, which is still really confusing because we haven't heard too much updates from Minnesota on that. But obviously, edge rusher was, you know, a, a position they could have went. But offensive line overall, I really think you can't go wrong. Um, so I really don't have anything negative to say about the pick for Minnesota. Yeah, I think it was just a really solid pick. They have some of the best skill position players oh, in the yeah, NFL. These back-to-back picks are really questionable. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes. not Najee Harris, but we'll have to see. Yes. Oh my yeah, God. so I think yes, yeah, I think yes. So too. the Steelers took Najee Harris right here at 24. Obviously, we're in the age where taking a running back high in the draft is no longer really viewed as a good thing. And I, I mean, there's a chance he'll be a solid player, but like the Steelers have other problems, as we saw in the second half of the season. And you know, why not just bring back James Conner? He signed. Do you want me to tell you their offensive line right now? Yeah, it's atrocious. Oh, yeah. Owenafor is at left tackle. Left guard is Dotson, the rookie from last year, who's solid. I don't think they have a center right now that's I even know. Right guard is David DeCastro, and right tackle is Zach Banner. So you're returning uh, – you could argue one starter. Dotson should have been a starter, so two starters. You let, uh, Villanueva's gone. He walked. Pouncey retired, and Filer's on the Chargers. And you didn't pick an offensive line. You had the 31st run block win rate. But drafting a running back is going to solve your problems, even though you had James Conner, who's solid, that couldn't get yards. So it's Saquon. It doesn't matter. He's head-scratcher in the first round of the draft. I mean, James Conner signed a one-year $1.75 million contract with the Cardinals. You could have given him $2 million. He could have stayed. And then, you know, he's, he's not the best running back. You know, maybe Najee Harris is a little better, but it's, once again, it's a running back. It's a very replaceable position. You could have gotten somebody much more valuable here. Frank nailed it, though. Frank nailed it. People, so many teams still think that, the running back is the guy who's going to fix the, the running game problems. It's the offensive line that fixed the running game, pro- the running game problems, not the running back itself. So I think it's a major mistake, honestly. But speaking of another, see, this is another, it's the same thing. And this might be even worse. And I think oh, it is worse. Is a this, this is was- a one win. This guys, remember, they won one game last year. They won one game. They've lost 15 games in a row since that lucky week one win. They should have been 0-16. This team was garbage from top to bottom. And you're telling me one of their two first-time picks, which the other one was a no-brainer. I mean, you couldn't not pick Trevor Lawrence. But you're telling me you picked Travis Etienne, a guy who many people thought was a a third, fourth-time pick. But 
I don't really. I mean, I'm that. not going to get into that. The the running, it's a running back. It's a running back when you're a. Oh one no, three. but he was the you know one of the, one through three in the class running back. I think he was the best running back in the class. He's a great. Well, no, passer. no, people. A lot of people thought Javante Williams was better than. But I'm not going to get into that. People think Javante Williams is better than Travis Etienne. Or he's one through three. He should have been a second round pick at the latest. Yeah. But. Well, yeah, second, third round pick. Yeah, whatever. But I still think that a first round pick when you need to just draft pretty much every position they should just went best player available they have receiver was the move here they have so many holes on their roster bro they already have james robinson who could have been a rookie rookie and then they signed carlos hyde so and urban meyer already came out and said we're going down back hyde robinson one two punch and then travis etn's our third round uh third round back so you wasted the 25th overall pick on a third down running back that's that's unreal that's actually unreal. i I think receiver was 100 percent the move here a lot of the times you know, we saw it with Burrow and Higgins last year. They love to bring in a quarterback and a receiver. Like, at the same time, they can develop chemistry together. And, you know, there were still some good receivers available. Bateman went two picks later. Um, Rondell Moore was still available. So They could have picked know. the receiver. They, put, I mean, could, have they, they could have picked Rondell Moore at 33, though. Who knows? We'll see. Um, and then now we have Greg Newsom to Cleveland. Um, I was kind of confused about this pick. I really thought they were going to go with Ousa Koromoa. They have Greedy Williams on the outside with Denzel Ward, and then they just got Troy Hill for the slot. And they added – they're going to get Grant Delpit back, and John Johnson is going to be uh, – they acquired from the Rams. So their secondary is looking pretty stacked now, and they add Greg Newsom, who, you know, I don't really know. I would have picked Samuel Jr. over him. I had Newsom as my cornerback five and Samuel ahead of him. But I guess he fits more of what Cleveland wants to do. He's from around that area, going to Northwestern. But I think they really could have used a linebacker here instead. They're really, really weak at the linebacker position. They have Taki Taki, and that's about it. So, I don't know about this pick. I really don't know. Yeah, well, um, I agree. They already have depth at corner. Um, not, not too much to say about that pick. It, you know, he's a solid player, though. So we'll see. Yeah, a lot of Browns fans uh, thought he. Oh, I know a lot of Browns. I'll say this. I know a lot of Browns fans weren't happy with the pick on Twitter. I saw. I saw a couple of live reactions from the pick um, from some Browns fans. So, I mean, look. I guess you know, corner. It's whatever. I guess it can't hurt. I mean, I'm not gonna. I don't want to judge it too much, just because. I mean, this guy could be a star for all we know, but it's not the position they needed most. I would say they could have used a linebacker, um, someone else, maybe even a receiver, maybe even a receiver. And that's kind of a hot take, but I mean, who knows what the situation with Odell Beckham Jr. is going to be like in the future? We don't know how much longer, quite frankly, he has um, as a Cleveland Brown at least. But there's you know a lot of different places they should have took this rather than cornerback. I agree. So number 27, I'm a huge fan of this pick. The Ravens took Rashad Bateman, the uh, very talented receiver coming out of Minnesota. I mean, this was obvious. They were going to take a receiver. They needed one desperately. Um, you know, and he, he was probably the best receiver available. And maybe some people would prefer Rondell Moore here, but I personally really like Rashad Bateman. I think this is a great pick. Yeah, this was definitely a great pick because you need to help Lamar Jackson. And it's funny to me how Aaron Rodgers kept asking for help and Lamar Jackson already gets more help in like one, two years. And Aaron Rodgers is like 15 years at Green Bay. So, I mean, great pick for Baltimore. They did what they needed to do. Get their guy, Rashad Bateman. And not having to trade up and possibly get Bateman at like 22 was a was a was just a great and fantastic oh, yeah. thing. Because they that. probably could have had – They there was a chance where they would have to trade up 27 and 31 to go to like number, like let's say 18 or whatever, and then get Bateman at 18. Thank God – you know, they're, they should be stat- ecstatic that they yeah. got him at 27. I mean, you could argue that this is Lamar's best wide receiver core by far since he's got there. He's got Watkins now, who they added in free agency, Hollywood Brown, and now Rashad Bateman, and then Andrews at tight end. So this is the best group of receivers he had. 
you know, they're giving Lamar everything that he can to succeed, which is exactly what the Packers aren't for Aaron Rodgers. And then they wonder why he wants to leave. It's head scratching. So this was actually a surprising pick. To be honest, I did not know Peyton Turner was on the first round radar. And it, it was I, just like this last day. He was shooting up the boards this last so week. Peyton Turner was shooting up the boards over the past yeah. couple of weeks. And he went number 28 to the New Orleans Saints. Um, I guess defensive line was a need, but a lot of people have thought, he, they uh, there we go, corner receiver. Corner receiver, the two needs the biggest. I mean, so it's a bit shocking, but, you know, Sean Payton's been – has a pretty reputable history of drafting uh, players, so can't be too mad. I mean, I just don't get it. Like, at corner, you have Lattimore. You got rid of Janoris Jenkins. You have Gardner Johnson, who plays a slot pretty well. P.J. Williams sucks. You need somebody there on the outside. Linebacker, DeMario Davis ain't getting any younger. He's still a stud, but you could have used someone there. This is just a pick to replace Trey Hendrickson, I guess. But wide receiver, too. You have Michael Thomas and Traquan Smith, and that's about it. You lost your tight end, Jared Cook. Um I don't know. This is questionable. I, I really think that there was other needs that they could have filled um, at this pick. And I think that they would have been better off with someone like Elijah Moore or Sante Samuel Jr. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I guess we'll talk about the Packers. Uh, we just talked about this. Aaron Rodgers is going to be gone. Ultimately, at this, he's done. He told teammates he don't want to be there. He told executives. That's crazy, man. And I'm actually saying he does not want to return to the team. I mean, that's just crazy. Yeah. He told team. That's, that's just crazy. Why so should I- he want to return, though? Yeah, and we'll talk no, about but the- so football wise, actually, I actually want to have this conversation. Football wise, he should want to return. Football wise, strictly football, because he football wise, that's the best situation you can go to, other than like San Francisco. But they've already got Trey Lance now. It's a great offensive line, top five offensive line unit, a, a wide receiver one and Devonte, probably the best receiver in football, and a defense who's been holding their ground over the past couple of years, in particular the a lot of floor defenses that they've had. So, I mean. Is it is the Broncos or Raiders really a better situation? No, I think the Broncos are. I don't think the Raiders are. The Broncos, I mean, that's I think they're about around par with the Packers, honestly. The Packers are a good football team. I mean, I mean, the thing is though that Rodgers was really pissed off after the Jordan Love pick. Um, and you know, they didn't draft a wide receiver, then they picked AJ Dillon in the second round, so they just really focused on the future and didn't really care about Rodgers when they were. Like we saw, they were in the NFC Championship game again. We talked about this on previous podcasts. What if they picked Chase Claypool last year at 25? They might have been in the Super Bowl. They didn't have another guy to throw the ball to that can catch the ball. I well, mean, it was a corner they needed last year in the NFC Championship. I'll I mean, that here, yeah, but then they pick Eric Stokes, who's a guy who's really afraid to tackle. Um, I was just not a fan of this pick. This was so – I didn't like this pick either. I think Asante Samuel is just a better player. Even criticism where you're, he's afraid to tackle. Come he on, is. That's, too, that's too far. No NFL guy's picking for them in the first round if he's afraid to tackle. Let me tell you, that, that's not happening. That's I mean, the happening. Packers draft history has not been good. So. It's not yeah, been like good Apple was afraid to all cover, right. and he was drafted in the first round. So, you know, it's happened before. Yeah, I mean, there's that's what I don't understand. Though. Like, how can people – like? I never understood how people can miss so hard in some picks. I mean, it's crazy. Like some of these GMs, it's, it's might a be lottery, guessing. man. It's really a lottery. Sometimes. Some of these GMs might be guessing on their picks because I mean, like it's just crazy like, what goes down. All right, pick number thirty, Greg Rousseau out of Miami, going to Buffalo. This guy was like a consensus top five player in the draft, you know, at the start of the season, and then you know he skipped the whole season. His workouts weren't great. A lot of people started watching his film and didn't really like what they saw. So now here he is, all the way down at pick thirty. I think this is a good value pick for Buffalo because he's still a great athlete, you know, and if, and if a team were to get good production out of him, it would be a team that's already like very talented and contending and, you know, Buffalo could use an edge rusher. So maybe they can get something out of him. Well, look, great athletes haven't worked in. 
I actually saw something where like, you know, you, you never pick great athletes, but that's the, besides the point you, you just picked a great football player over the great athletes. You don't go off athletes for picks. Cause it's just a mess. You see it time and time again. But I mean, look, if, if he's going to succeed somewhere, it's Buffalo, good culture, um, good player development from all we know. I actually disagree. I mean, they picked Ed Oliver at number eight or nine overall a couple of years ago as an edge rusher, and they really haven't done a great job developing him at all. They haven't had an edge rusher in Buffalo. He's been sol- Ed Oliver's been solid. With Not Buffalo. exactly what he hasn't he's been lived up solid, to. but he hasn't necessarily lived up to his hype. Yeah. Well, he was like the number eight pick, so of course he hasn't lived up to the hype. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if you're a solid, I mean, he's been he's been a solid play i think he's been above average he's been like he's not been a, a, a scrub by any means the, the thing with rousseau is he used really just his size to you know dominate in college i don't really know if he's gonna be able to do that as a pro he doesn't really have one go-to pass rush move i don't really know if he's an interior defensive lineman in a 4-3 or he's an edge and i think this is going to be tough if it works out for buffalo good so be it but i don't know if it will mm-hmm. well i mean it's just crazy how far he did fall down i mean that's interesting but here's there's a guy a who there's a reason Many Ravens fans didn't want like uh, Jason Owe, uh, the the editor from Penn State. Um, he goes to Baltimore, um, and you know I guess they did need an edge. So I mean I'm not gonna yeah they need but apparently Aziz Ojulari a lot of people wanted instead of you know Owe. But I mean overall I guess you can't complain too much. They got the the position they needed I guess so they got the position they needed. But they also got an edge rusher who recorded zero sacks last year. And, you know, I get it. Like, sacks aren't the be-all, end-all. But how can you draft a guy in the first round who didn't record a sack? You know, they were saying last night on the on the draft show that Daniel Hunter, a few years back, only had one sack his last year at LSU, and he turned out to be pretty good. But I think that's an anomaly. I mean, I think the majority of the time, like, you got to be at least somewhat productive. Like, this guy, I don't know. He just didn't really get after the passer. Yeah, um, I, I don't know about this. Um, you know, the, a lot of the Ravens guys, though, they just seem to, like, get guys and they make them work. They, the, the Ravens are very good at developing their, players. Their defense so. is just so good year in and year out. They've had a good defense mm-hmm. for the past 10 years. Like, they they always have a good defense, mm-hmm. past 20 years. Like, they – so they're going to find a way for Oway to work in there. He's going to play opposite of Bowser on the edge. They have a great interior defensive line. So, I think it'll be a good situation for a rookie to step into. And then now let's just talk about the last pick of the first round. Another edge rusher, Joe Tyrone from Washington – for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I was considering Christian Barmore here possibly, but he has character concerns. They could have went Trayvon Morag at safety because Whitehead's gone. But they take Joe Tyrone, ultimately a good pick, though, because I think the Dominican Sue will be gone soon and possibly Jason Pierre-Paul. So I think this was a good pick. Um, Todd Bowles loves him, so this is a good pick for, for them, of course. And Todd Bowles is an excellent defensive coordinator, one of the best in the NFL. So I think they got a real chance to develop yeah. this guy, and, and he's not he's going to be a lot of rotation now. But next year he's going to step into it. I think he's going to be a hit. Mm-hmm. And the Bucks have hit on every single pick they've made the past few years, it seems. So you just got to trust their evaluation and their, and their track record. Their track I mean, record. Look, pass rush can't hurt. Pass rush depth cannot hurt. 100%. Rotation, guys, yeah. it's perfect. So this could be an impact player too, as well as a developmental piece. If this is, if this is, you know, like you said, pass rush depth can't hurt. If there's a position you want to have seven good guys at, it's at def- uh, on the defensive line. You want to be able to rotate these guys nonstop and have them rush the passer as hard as they can. Yep, definitely. All right, that's the end of our first round recap, but definitely not doing this around two or three, four, five, six, or seven. Um, that's going to be it for the podcast. Um, season three, episode number 32, the last podcast of April. We're on in May. It's already crazy how fast 2021 has gone. Uh, and we'll see you guys in the next one. Peace.